set. the studios of the Modern School of Film. Welcome to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo, and over the next hour together, we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, a gift that grows quickly. Musician, writer, black emperor, Ephraim Menick is with us. Welcome. Murmur. Welcome back to Murmur. Robert Malazzo here with you. I am the founder of the Modern School of Film. I am here at the Modern School of Film. And we are here together <laughs> every week. Murmurradio.com. Social handles at MSF Murmur. Twitter, Instagram. I sound English when I say Instagram. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, email me, murmur, radio, M-U-R-M-U-R, radio, at gmail.com. If you send me a topic, I will match your topic with a guest, and I will give you full credit, and I'd love to actually call you and have you on the show during the topic. How cool would that be? Don't answer that. <laughs> it would be cool. You will be welcomed. Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, download us, subscribe. Murmur Radio every week. Welcome back. Welcome for the first time. Just basically just welcome. <laughs> Today on the show, Ephraim Menuk. What an interesting cat from afar. I don't know him and I haven't met him and we'll meet him together, but just a really what I would call sophisticated thinker. And we're going to tackle, you know, we tackle the simple subjects here. Um, and we have another simple subject for you today. Today's topic is faith. So with Ephraim Menuk, Ephraim is a musician, a singer, a sort of reluctant singer. He is one of the co-architects of Godspeed You Black Emperor, a super cool band, um, a sort of soundtrack ready to go or not. And uh, the Silver Mount Zion and he does solo stuff as well. He is going to join us to talk about faith. And I know I didn't bring him on because he's a self-proclaimed atheist, because I want to expand the definition of faith, or at least try to expand the definition of faith. Warning, I'm probably going to fail miserably because I do want to speak to him about religion. And But I'm, I'm more interested in the totems of faith 
the day-to-day faith, taking religion out of it. What do we have faith in? What does one have faith in? Is the concept of faith, no matter what one's faith is, no matter what one's deity is, deity is, is the concept of faith uh, an important survival tool, a survival mechanism? What does one do in the absence of faith? And faith leads us or leads one philosophically and personally down different roads, ultimate roads, roads beyond our terrestrial uh, vessel, our body. So we'll touch upon these light moments, but I'm interested in philosophically the overall and overarching and underpinning <laughs> to, to get our adverbs in, in harmony of faith. Yes, for those who follow a particular religion, faith, it's probably more describable in terms of what faith means to him or her. I am equally interested and arguably more interested in the concept of faith. Do we need faith? Do we need something to believe in? Man, it sounds like a poison song, isn't that? That's a great song, something to believe in. What What is that? What is that? Um, salve? What does that buoy in our life? If we have something to believe in, I think it does as much as get get us out of bed in the morning. I mean, that's not a small thing. Faith. Faith that what we're, it's not even faith in that something is, is down the path to meet us and reward us, i.e. religion, although that's a brand of faith. I think faith is layered in trust. I have faith that what I'm doing at the present moment has meaning and value. I mean, act two of that idea is I have to have faith in the meaning and value. And sometimes when our meaning and value is tied to other things, faith becomes tested because we don't know if the other things will reciprocate. But then it takes an even greater leap of faith. I'm going to do things in the absence of an audience. I'm going to do things in the absence of a perceived receptacle or receiver for the thing I do. So these are all these are all statements that connect into faith, that tie our faith and and build our faith. I have met people who are faithless and again not to talk about religion so intensely although I'm probably going to fail miserably. Spoiler alert, I'm going to fail miserably because Ephraim is such an interesting guy and he went to Hebrew school, I think, until he was in the ninth grade, and I believe his father started to question his own faith. So we will talk about that, obviously, and and uh, I know Ephraim has, I'm guessing, some really interesting views on Israel and Gaza and Palestine. So we'll jump into those very shallow waters. Yeah, shallow, right. Anyway, uh, but I'm also interested in this idea of people who are faithless— I think, you know, if you don't possess a faith, you do come perilously close to not living. Now, you can be alive and not live. So maybe faith intensifies the life experience. And I'm not talking about suicide as an alternative, although obviously suicide is a reality, and I'm guessing people who not all people, but there are people who take their lives who have lost faith. But maybe that's a question of losing hope, and we can cover that today with Ephraim. What is the difference between faith and hope? I know it sounds semantic, but I don't think it is. 
I worry about the word hope. Hope feels very passive to me, and I'll talk to Ephraim today about his views on hope, the word hope, but today is about faith. If you don't have faith, can you still feel as multidimensional in your experience of life? Let's say the answer is yes. Okay. Then what does faith do? I mean, faith, people pick up faith or objects of faith, I think, as a, sometimes, you know, it seems like most times they're they're introduced to us by parents or relatives or, you know, maybe musicians, I don't know, you know, musicians and artists or preach a religion of a sort. We'll talk to Ephraim about that. But, you know, faith is oftentimes given to us. We often drop it and, and reclaim it. So there are different times. I wonder, though, and I do believe, actually, as, as I wonder, I wonder and have arrived at the idea that people people develop faith because of fear. They're f- afraid of living a life without a form of faith, a form of belief, whether it's in themselves or their work or, or a god or an icon, because they may fear a life without faith. You know, what happens when we die? Again, that's that's religious faith. See, I'm going to slip into that bear trap today. I warn you. Maybe Ephraim can pry me out, but I don't think Ephraim is afraid of much around this topic. So I just threw out the questions, <laughs> some of the some of my thoughts on the answers. Uh, Ephraim, I know, <laughs> I know, I just don't, I don't know him, but I just have a feeling, a good, really cool feeling that we are going to cover so much ground today, and maybe no ground at all because faith requires a belief in something that isn't always material. And yes, that's oftentimes why people manifest icons of faith, because faith by definition is formless. <laughs> it's, very, it's very definition, formless. I have to believe in something. Yes, we can have faith in things we see and touch. I have faith in you. I have faith in people. I will have faith in man. I will have faith in a student. I will have faith in a teacher. I will have faith in a parent, a loved one. But faith, even though faith very often comes out of fear, faith is a buffer from fear. So we can forgive it for having a relationship to fear because as we've talked about fear on the show before, fear seems to be everywhere. So let's put fear aside and look at faith and the other articles of faith, and oh, please help me. Please l- let me not dip into religion. You know, again, I'm sitting here kind of obviously talking to myself and to you listening, but th- there's so many pillars of faith that are still, whether we're agno- if we're agnostic or atheistic, we rely on pillars of faith. How many of you listening are atheists or agnostics and have still said, I swear to God, I swear to God, or bless you? when someone sneezes. So it's interesting, the articles of faith, you know, churches, religious music, religious statues, it's not so black and white, duh, meaning there are idiomatic and baked in uh, 
strands of faith into even the most atheistic because even if you don't possess a faith, your your audience is often faith-based. So if I say to you, if I don't believe in God, but I say to you, I swear to God, it's not because I believe in God, it's because you believe in God. Again, oh man, see how quickly I slipped back into it. Let's get on with the show. <laughs> we have gotten on with the show. I will have faith. I will have faith in what, in whom. And again, duh, you can have faith in yourself, and I think you should. Have faith in us. Have faith in Murmur. You're here. Thank you. I will return your faith with my own. Today on the show, Ephraim Menek on faith and other light matter. Now this. Hey, hey, Alan, there's one. Oh, she's great. No, 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 go on before the room museum? gets... Come on, go on, give it a try. What are we That's say? what we're here for, Alan. Go on, go on. Casual, casual. Okay. It's quite a lovely Jackson Pollock, isn't it? Yes, it is. What does it say to you? It restates the negativeness of the universe, the hideous, lonely emptiness of existence, nothingness, the predicament of man forced to live in a barren, godless eternity, like a tiny flame flickering in an immense void with nothing but waste, horror and degradation, forming a useless, bleak straitjacket in a black, absurd cosmos. What are you doing Saturday night? Committing suicide. What about Friday night? Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to discuss the F word, not that F word, the other F word. So please turn to page 13 in your hymnal, Psalm 13. It is letter of Ephraim to the great unwashed, 
uh, before we actually do the reading, we have the author of that letter himself. He uh, is not unwashed, as far as I can see, uh, though I can't see him right now. <laughs> but he is a co-founder of uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor and the Silver Mount Zion. Uh, he's also a total drag. He's stubborn. He's out of step, a loud mouth, and can be a moody motherfucker. This is just my type of priest. Here today to talk about the state of faith, please welcome from the island of Montreal, uh, Reverend, the right Reverend, Ephraim Menuk. Hey, man, welcome to Murmur. Hey, it's Ephraim. Hey, Ephraim, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm well, brother. Thank you for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Of course, my pleasure. So you're not going to burn up after that kind of introduction, right? I mean, like holy water kind of thing. No, it made, it made me feel a little uh, shy, but uh, but no, I'm not going to burn up. Oh, shy, shy we can deal with. Uh, you know, right. I wanted you to talk, there's so many F words we could have talked about, but I wanted to talk about the state of faith with you. And that's a pretty broad brush, admittedly. So uh, let, let's paint with it, or you can paint with it, and I'll watch. Before we get into the state of faith, define the word faith. How do you define it now in, in our time? I mean, I, I feel like uh, since childhood for me, it's just been like, uh, you know, a realization that, that that most of life is just involved with the uh, the stubborn refusal to give up you know, and, uh, and fashioning whatever tools you need to fashion to, uh, to keep putting one foot in front of the other, you know, because in my entire lifetime, the, the news has never been good. You know what I mean? There's never been a, a peaceful or a peaceable time, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't believe that the arc of human history is, uh, you know, some sort of glorious traje- trajectory to, a to, uh, you know, uh, a better world, you know, but I also don't believe that it's a downward trajectory either, you know, in my own experience, things have been kind of equally shitty throughout, you know, I'm speaking globally, not not personally. (laughs) No, I understand. I mean, it's like the old joke, how can you be lost if you've never been there before? I mean, how, if everything is shitty, maybe this is, this is the, you know, the standard is the standard, as Mike Tomlin, uh, the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers likes to say. Have you ever played that game with friends? What, age or era would have would you rather have lived in you know if you say there's never been a a golden age or a, an optimal age historically that you've lived through uh have, could you visualize historically at all pre your birth or even post your your de- post your death i mean what is an optimal window of history what does that look like what are the earmarks for that i don't i don't think there ever has been one you know i mean i think we're just creatures of such immense failings and uh like uh, I'm saying this all uncynically. I just—it sounds like I'm being cynical. It, it doesn't actually. God, I'm not—I'm not being cynical. But we're just—we're such creatures of—we're of, creatures of such like uh, crucial and eternal failing. And at the same time, we, you know, because we have self-awareness, we're also these kind of magical creatures, you know. And it's just—it's a torturous combination, you know. Like there's—we see more than other creatures, but then at the same time, we see less than other creatures. We're walking around in this world assuming that we see and understand everything and uh speaking very not esoterically it's just a stone cold fact that there are all kinds of energies and lights and radiations passing through us and around us there are a million things that we can't see you know so we have this sort of supreme arrogance and also this kind of endless needy insecurity all at the same time you know and so 
I think the long arc of human history has just always been writ by those two dualities, you know, and, and also I'm, I'm super pragmatic. So yeah, I, I generally don't allow myself even the idea of like, when would it have been a better time to be alive? You know, the, the notion of belief in the things we can't see and feel, let, let's use that as a really super remedial idea for faith, just as if you're not hearing this for a second. Do you, do you believe in things you can't see and feel and touch? I do. I, I believe they're there. I believe, you know, I don't know. There's no, uh, cosmology writ by people that that explains it to me or that that I would feel comfortable endorsing you know like even the word magic seems trite coincidence is maybe the right word there's just too much power in coincidence you know like there's and there's too much of it for instance that's just one example you know these random things happen that that yes for sure the human brain has this 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 we're wired to to see patterns and to create patterns you know, but there's there are elements of life that go far beyond that, you know, and then it's just on just a basic scientific level. We know that there are energies all around us that we can't measure or taste or feel, you know. So, yeah, I mean, there's there. I do believe there's a world behind this world. You know, there's a common misconception about artists that artists by default are not pragmatic. But I think music is measured and metered and math in many ways. Um, how do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile? Well, it sounds like the, the uber practicality of what you do is a real driver, but there's also a poetry in the practical, right? Or are those two separate, same church, two different pews, for lack of a worse metaphor? I mean, for me, I feel strongly they're, they're both, they're tied up together, you know? Like, there, there, there are artists in all disciplines who I love, who had strong fucking personalities and, and were totally esoteric and believed in art for art's sake and all that stuff. In my own personal life, I don't have any tolerance for that kind of attitude. It bores me really quickly. So I've always been interested and my focus has been acknowledging limitations, sort of what the structural framework is that, that, uh, that we're all working within. And at the same time, finding beauty there um, sometimes in opposition to that reality, sometimes as part of that reality. Yeah, that's just always where my head and my heart have been, you know, and it's it's what makes me happiest is is living with that in me. You know, does it ever cock block the poet structure can be a hypnosis in a way. Do you have to ever have to snap out of your your mantra of structure and form and practicality and delivery systems back in to the right side of your brain because of the intoxication of structure and form? No, because I think, you know, like what what my own personality and brain chemical defect and gifts where, where my defects and gifts reside means that I'm generally, I mean, my head is in the sky almost all the time, you know? And <laughs> yeah. I think that yeah. not to get too deep into self-analysis or whatever, but I think it, part of the reason why I'm drawn to like grounding things in, in, uh, in material reality is because I, I kind of need that. Otherwise things stop making sense, you know? Mm -hmm. So I know for sure that part of the impulse comes from that. So for me, like, you, like when I write stuff, it comes very quickly out of nowhere, you know? And it always feels like a, like a weird little weed growing in the corner of some alleyway or something, you know? Like it just, it, I, it feels like a gift that, that grows quickly, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I don't see, I don't feel an inherent conflict if I'm having a, a, a fucking shitty month, I'm sitting in a cold kitchen and the 
cold, bright, white light of the sun is not giving any warmth, but somehow I still in that moment and able to, you know, to manifest something that I'm proud of. It, it all just seems one and the same to me, you know? What's cool, uh, speaking with Ephraim Menek, what's interesting and cool about talking to you really quickly, intuiting that, you know, your reportage is poetry. If I asked you what the weather was like, you may, you know, g- give me a poem, you know, in, 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 or a sort of a poem without without uh, intending that. I want to get back to the F word of faith. I reason that human beings are survivalist species. Uh, criticism Notwithstanding, do you think faith is a is a way we survive? And, and there's a, there's these stories of agnostics and you know praying right before they die. You know, do you think faith yeah. is a tool? You know, and and is it okay or is it a hip, hypocritical tool? Do you think uh, faith is a you know a door? Is it a door or is it a crutch? I think. Uh, oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think more the former than the latter. You know. I mean, although we we could have the long, obvious talk about the destructive role that, that certain dominant faiths have had throughout history, you know, and that's absolutely a fact. But I don't know if that actually that's that has more to do with with manipulating people's faith than the faith itself. Mm. You know, yeah. I, me personally, I don't believe in God or gods or any of that. I think like most people, I find comfort in the idea that there's there's something out there or in here, you know, that uh, I just don't know what it is. And I, I do, I have had the thought before that that just is a, a self-preservation instinct. You know, you can't exist in this world and live daily with the idea that everything is meaningless and pointless. You yeah, know, like yeah, we have yeah. a need to assign some sort of explanation for these things that are unknowable for us. You know, I think that is a door, you know, and, you know, I've never I get really impatient with people who are critical of, you know, whatever born again Christians or any religion, you know, I, I, like I, I have no problem with people having faith. And I understand what, you know, why people do have faith in that form. You know, I think it's just, yeah, it's a thing that we do. You know, we 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 make creation myths and we always have, you know, and then the only thing I've never been I. I always wonder this idea that we tend to talk about history as this sort of thing that starts slowly and then gets quicker and quicker and quicker as it goes on and it ends <laughs> with a big bang. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've never, because I was born into that being what the what the paradigm is. I've ne- it's like, you know, sometimes I think, okay, that's just because it's always been fucking men explaining everything and, and, and creating the context and it's become this received wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, so that yeah. everything is, yeah. it, that the, the, the arc of human existence is like a, a long protracted orgasmic thing, you know, that ends with a big release, whether it's the apocalypse or, uh, you know, the fucking, uh, what do you call it when everyone goes back up to the, the rapture, you know? Um, <laughs> and, but I, I know it's like, it's, it's, but it's, I, I think it is actually a, a you know, a, a problem. You know, if if we can only if we look at what the outcome's going to be, and it has to follow that grid, then there will be no good ending. You know, three words you said amongst all the gr- interesting words you just said. Three words I'm hooking into in that form. You know, when I was thinking of faith, I, I knew I was going to line this up for. A, a deep thinker like you, but I was thinking faith is a as a noun. It's it's not a, it's not a, you know in the, in the Bible may be full of it or the Torah or the Quran, but um, faith I can have faith without being religious. So how do you separate that? Have you ever noticed a form of faith that 
connects to something that you want faith to resemble, meaning, you know, watching a film or listening to a music, you know, or the idea of, a, of, a, of, of Mother Nature. I'm, I'm not trying to sound funny or kooky here, although it may be too late. What, what's the closest you've come to a, a faith outside of yourself? Like, you mean witnessing someone else's faith? Well, you know, sense? here's a bad example, man. Um, you know, I, I, when I watched Princess Mononoke, the uh, Miyazaki film, you know, there are these amazing uh-huh. like tree spirits. And Miyazaki use, uses spirits a lot in his film, Spirited Away, ho-ho, you know, the film title itself. And I always thought that would be really cool to have those kind of like a tree spirit watching over the trees. Now, I, I'm agnostic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm agnostic as well, but I thought that would be cool. Sign me up for that. Have you ever found something on a, on a faith-based mechanism that felt you could ride with? A silhouette of faith that you could prescribe to? I mean, I am going to give the most boring answer, and there are so many qualifiers to it. And uh, um, the honest-to-God truth is any first-person accounting um, from Russia, when it became the Soviet Union, during the time of the revolution, post-revolution, civil war, all of it, that would be the stuff for me. Just the fact that people, that normal people, regular people on faith signed up for what are like some of the shittiest, toughest years in the history of any nation in this world, you know, ending with the end of World War II, and that people found the resilience and the faith to keep engaging with the violent drudgery of that existence. So now my caveat is I'm not a fucking communist. You know what I mean? Well, like, two things. You don't have to the, caveat it. That's one thing. The other thing is I'm waiting for the boring part of your answer. And the third thing is that makes complete sense. What was their okay, faith? Phew. But what was their faith in? So you were, it's interesting, you're, you were inspired to faith potentially by someone else's faith. What, what do you conceive their faith was in? What did they have faith in? Well, I think there are a, a million answers to it. There are people like if you read, uh, what's his name, Victor Serge, any of his first person accounting of that time, you know, he was, he, he had a revolutionary faith. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he, he became yeah. disillusioned really quickly with how it was rolling out, but he believed that the world was in need of that deep structural violent change. You know what I mean? And and not not uh, romancing the violence of it, but also not denying it. You know, just seeing it and understanding that 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 was what was happening. You know. Um, but then you read other accounts, and it was just people getting together with their fucking neighbors to, to hold a square, you know, like, or, you know, what was in the heads, the minds of the, the sailors who mutinied, you know, like yeah. all that stuff. I think also people's faith was in, in the people who were closest to them, to them, you know, and that the idea, you know, I wasn't alive at that time, but it, you know, was a time again where there's this problematic idea of this, this is the end of history and everything has to change. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. these were like big global fucking ideas. Yeah, you know, I think there are a million stories in mm. there, you know, individual stories, but I think they're all tied together with with faith in in a in a better world, you know. We're speaking with that from Menek, let, let's get stupid. Before I, we autopsy your background a little bit and look at your work, um, let's get stupid a little bit. One of my least favorite words is hope. I always feel hope is, you know, maybe it's my Italian thing. It's like hope feels like let's just hope. And I get the 
I get the bright side of hope, but it feels so passive to me. What is the difference between hope and faith? Oh, that's a good question. I don't have that hang up about hope, but I understand. I understand why it's. It's, it's like kind trying to win the lottery, you know? Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, totally. I I get it. I get it completely. It's a. It's like it's like a passive engagement somehow, yeah, you know. Yeah. But I also, I think there's a way to use the word hope where it's actually, it's an active engagement, you know. Like for a lot of people, just having hope requires labor you know so if you think of hope is the opposite of hopeless right you know like right. and hope has saying the word hope has power you know do you know what i mean i do um, i do but the the difference between faith and hope is so i guess i'm saying i don't know i don't know what the difference i mean i i guess i could speak in terms of words and language how it's different but um for me emotionally uh, let me think i think faith is the mechanism that you need to employ to continue having hope wow that would be my answer. you just blew up my laptop when you said that that was amazing actually and i don't mean to sound so glib about that can you take another shot it's like at that? the mecha- faith is the mechanism that you need to use to manifest hope okay. you know yeah. yeah i think are you a hopeful person um i i i think i am i'm i'm also incredibly negative and and uh can, can be kind of an asshole and, and uh, a drag, but, uh, but I, I swear I, my whole life I wake up every morning regardless of what the circumstances and I feel quite excited about the possibility of the coming day, you know? What gets you up in the morning? Uh, well, my son, but no, uh, <laughs> uh, you mean what, what gets me out of bed in the morning? Yeah. Uh, like, you know, nothing interesting than the normal base impulses. It would be like, it'd be nice to have a cup of coffee. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I've always been, I'm at my happiest when I first wake up and it sort of goes downhill from there as the day goes on. And I do not know the reason for this. It's been a source of irritation for anyone who's had the misfortune of having to be in close proximity to me is I'm just very cheery and giddy first thing in the morning, whether I've slept one hour or 12 hours. Yeah. Do, do you get depressed at night? Uh, yes, I get, I get depressed during the course of the day. I get depressed at night. Yeah. You know, I guess I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm inching towards this, uh, this almost like sundowning idea. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say it's, it's chemical or biological. I'm not, I'm not that intelligent, uh, or I'm not that stupid. My, I guess my point is I, I know for me, you know, the circadian rhythm of it all, uh, Sunday night, you know, I'm at my blackest and Monday morning, yeah. which is that cycle start. I'm the same way. I, I don't want to hijack your moment here by saying I, I'm the same way. I literally, if I've slept an hour, I am chipper in the morning and then I literally date yeah, fucking yeah. crescendo. Um, yeah. I'm, can you break that cycle? It's a, I never have been able to, I really think it's a type, I, it's a type thing. So me and you are the same type in that way. And I, again, like you said, I don't know what the biomechanical <laughs> structure is that I just know that I, that that's how I am and I accept it you know like I I, I, I live within uh, within those constraints it is interesting I do think faith is about day-to-day rhythm I think that's part of it I think because you need to be intact to have faith do you think yeah. you know you can have faith if you're only operating with one wing oh I mean, I think there are circumstances where you can, like if you need to get, you know, from Philadelphia to Chapel Hill, North Carolina in one night in a van, 
and you get stuck with the overnight driving shift, that's going to be a heavy thing, but you make it there somehow. You, you know what I mean? And yeah, you're just operating yeah. on faith that you can do it because <laughs> you have to do it, right? Are you, you speaking, know? Are you speaking from but, personal experience, Ephraim? Yeah, it's, yeah, 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 totally. But, um, you know, so, but then, I mean, we have our own cultural soul sicknesses in, in, uh, in the Northern West in North America, you know, that I think are also throw up huge impediments to, 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 to experiencing faith or having faith, you know, because it's just what is there to believe in, you know? We're speaking with that from Medic. I want to, as we get to our midbeat here, I do want to look a little bit back into your tea leaves, stuff maybe you haven't litigated, and if you have, I apologize. You know, you went to Hebrew day school um, to ninth grade, uh, kept kosher but did not believe in God. I was thinking about, yeah. you know, you'd mentioned when you hit your teenager dumb that your faith, you're on a religious, within a religious context, your faith changed. Um, a, is that true even in hindsight? And B, if it is, what was there a moment? Was because that's a pretty advanced moment. I think teenagers changing, questioning their faith. It may it may happen quicker now, um, but I think that's a pretty quick. Wait a second. What's all this religious stuff? Just to be crystal clear, I went to Hebrew day school, and you know, I, my father did not believe in God. He was. I got raised by just my father, and he was very concerned that I be raised within some sort of community because uh, we had barely any extended family. So he sent me yeah, to this Hebrew day school where I did not thrive. But, you know, I didn't believe in God past, I don't know, the age of 11 or something, you know? Wow. Um, <laughs> Let me correct the record. Believe, wow. That's amazing. I, I didn't believe, and I'm not saying that heroically. It was that for whatever reason, it was just like, okay. Anyways, but, uh, but I still was going to school in this place. And then I left home when I was 17. Life got very fucking heavy because I, you know, I was doing too many drugs. I had no life skills. It was, it it was at the height of a a recession. So there was no work. Um, And I had dropped out of high school and everyone I knew was sort of thusly afflicted. You know, we were all kind of just kind of lost. And at that time I was like, I remember I had like a little wooden crucifix around my neck. You know what I mean? Like I was completely not identifying in, as Jewish in any way, shape or form. It was just really. And then at some point, all those fucking stories, all the that Old Testament stuff, I realized it was still rattling around in my head and it informed my engagement in the world in a good way because those are good fucking stories. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. don't have to believe in God to believe that like, that the book of Job is a fucking hell of a fucking tale. You know what I mean? And, and also just the idea, you know, cause Jews have this thing where like God is not fucking benevolent. He's just kind of arbitrary and a dick, you know, like he's random and he's cruel and we don't have an idea, you know, we don't have heaven. We don't have hell, like all those things. It was like living the life I was living. It was like, Oh, I'm still carrying this stuff in me. And, I, and on top of that, I am, culturally Jewish, you know, I was, I would go through the thing every year where it's like, oh shit, I wish I was going to a fucking Seder at Pesach, you know, like, um, and so, yeah, in my young adulthood, it started being like, no, you know, like this is, this is what I am, you know? And yeah, so that's, that's been, that was my change. It was more, it was kind of like the opposite of what you were suggesting, if that makes any sense. And all of it is godless, just to be clear, like it's all godless. 
you know? I, I took a note of that. Yeah. I, it's funny. Religion, we, we, we fuse it. I, I find in my experience, we fuse religion with our parents in the sense. And, you know, in the sense of, you know, if our parents subject us to religion and we tend to disagree with our parents, we tend to disagree with religion as well. At 11 years old, was there anything about anti, just an just a rebellion wave? Or was it truly religion as a, to- a topic didn't connect with you didn't jive no it's the opposite i think in those intervening years where i was just like completely in denial that i was jewish you know those teenage years other than that i mean my my father told me when i was very young that he didn't believe in god Mm. and explained why you know and i mean that's absolutely you know what it's not like because he said it it wasn't immediately it was like oh well i don't believe in god either you know but a couple years later with that rattling around in my head it was like well yeah that makes sense you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, it's these yeah. stories they're telling us don't make any fucking sense, yeah, you know, like yeah. in, in that way, you know, even though I still love the stories. And then I think the, 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 the rebellion aspect was more in those years where it's like, I'm not fucking Jewish, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that was the, it was, it was walking away from, from my father's a, my father had his own pride in being culturally Jewish, you know? And also he was of that generation where, you know, because of what my grandparents left in uh, Eastern Europe, you know, like this this keen lived memory that it didn't matter if you called yourself Jewish or not, someone at some point was going to call you a fucking kike, you know? Like, so, you know, you had no choice, you know? You know what I mean? You couldn't pretend because at some point someone would say, Hey, you're not one of us, you know. You, you mentioned the Old Testament. Uh, it's interesting, you, and your name is Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, was uh, Ephraim meaning uh, fruitful or Ephraim, depending on how we inflect it and how we spell it? Were you ever in touch with that? You know, you're you're literally your name because there's nothing more principal than your name itself. Does that intrigue you in any way? The, the, like, just say the very basic origin of your name. No, I mean no, because it was. I think at the moment that I started questioning that kind of or thinking about that kind of stuff, was this very clear that my father was like a Jewish hippie and he wanted to give me a cool name. You know what I mean? So he he named me Ephraim instead of Michael, you know? And I, I think that's it. That's all. So it's, you know, and you know, I thank him for it. I, although it's sometimes, you know, and this is a heavier conversation. There's a, when you have a weird name, there are a lot of moments where just saying your name, people, it can be a weird sort of confrontation as if you're somehow immediately announcing I'm special. You know what I mean? I'm not named Steve or Dave, you know what I mean? (laughs) And I often wonder if my name was Steve or Dave, would my life have been easier, you know, on a social level, right? What what about Ezra, uh, your progeny? Did you think, did you think, how deeply did you think before you named your child Ezra? Beautiful name, by the way. Uh, well, me and Ezra's mother, yeah, we had a lot of long talks, and yeah, and we settled on that one, you know. But there were, yeah, you know, there were, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, yeah, it's 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 funny because we are like we agreed that we would name him Ezra and then see what he was like, and if we had to change his name eight months later, we would do that. You know what I mean? Like, because it's a weird thing to name a creature you haven't met yet, you know. Get into a different beat. Um, Israel, uh, a light beat. <laughs> Have you ever been to Israel? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was 13 years old, yeah, my father took me there. What were your first impressions? Do you recall? Uh, I remember really like being in Jerusalem and hating every other aspect of it. Um, but the day school I went to was a Zionist day school, right? So I already had kind of a clear idea that there was something sort of deeply problematic with, uh, 
with that whole scene. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and was predisposed to hating it. So yeah, I didn't I didn't really like it, and I've had no desire to go back. What do you think about these birthright trips? Uh, I don't know, you know, how new an idea this is to our listeners. You know, there's there's a sponsored birthright trip. It's a non for profit uh, organization sponsors. If you're between eight and thirty two, and you're of the Judaic faith, you ha- you can get a f- free. I don't mean free trip like hey free trip, but you can get a trip, a gratis trip to Israel uh, to experience the culture. What do you think about that? It's indoctrination. It's indoctrination. You know, like Israel, I don't know how heavy you want to get into this stuff, but I mean, like Israel, like needs Western Jews to keep believing in the state of Israel, you know, and and the narrative that they tell about the state of Israel. So we could talk, I could sit here for 45 minutes and elucidate what my problems are with the state of Israel. But the simplest thing I know personally is that the proudest I feel about whatever the history of Jews in this world is the fact that we were stateless for so long. And so we weren't guilty of the sins of nationalism. You know, Mm. we like we were always just kind of a little on the outside criticizing. Of course, there are exceptions. There are there's some Jews in European countries and certain tiny windows of history that were allowed to, you know, achieve uh, assimilated status, you know. But for the most part, you know, like it's a history of a people who never had a fucking state, you know. So to me, that's a good thing, you know. I was thinking about artists and faith and artists on uh, and faith-based statements. You know, and Israel does seem to be a convergence point a modern convergence point, artists choosing to perform there, artists not per- choosing to perform there. You know, this is seems to be a new third rail. You know, yeah. if, if, if an art, like a radio head who decides to play Tel Aviv and a Lord doesn't, you know, Nick Cave uh, does and, uh, you know, someone like a Macy Gray does and then regrets it. I'm wondering what about musicians on this level as being faith-based ambassadors? I mean, do you think... There, there are, there is a need to make public decisions based in faith. If you are, if you are an artist, because you know, if you're invited to play, if Godspeed is invited and it's public news, your response is going to be public record. Do you think that's part of the contract of being a public creator to answer questions of faith publicly? Oh, yeah, that's a good. Question. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if those are questions of faith, though. But it's a. I, but I, I, it's a good question. I mean, I think absolutely. You know, artists are accountable for the decisions that they make. With all of this, it's like whether it's like don't don't play a corporate-owned venue or don't play the state of Israel or you know don't work with this booker or don't go on tour with this band. Any of that stuff. When when artists respond to it, all I'm ever looking for is some sort of explanation that's thoughtful and honest. You know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah, I don't, there are yeah. very few decisions that someone would make, could make that, that, that would make me feel like, okay, just fuck you forever, you piece <laughs> of shit. You know what I mean? Like, like we all live complicated, nuanced lives, and we're all muddling through this the best that we can. So going back to the, the BDS thing in Israel and, and people playing or not playing Israel, you know, I, I, in all the responses, it's always disappointing for people who say, yes, they will play. And people who say no, they who back out and say no, they won't play. I've yet to hear like sort of a calm, reasoned explanation for why people are saying no or yes, you know, and that's a that's a bummer. 
Nick Cave, quote, two reasons why I'm here, meaning Tel Aviv. One is that I love Israel and I love Israeli people. And two is to make a principal stand against anyone who tries to censor and silence musicians. What do you think of that? I, I, I mean, I much love and respect for Mr. Nick Cave, but I think that statement's total bullshit. It's denying the fact that Israel is systematically oppressing Palestinians, you know? So by saying the omission there is, I love Israel, is, okay, well, what do you think about Palestine? You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. that somehow this is an act of silence, that, that an, an oppressed group is, has called for this boycott. And that's somehow an act of silencing someone. I, it's, it's just, it's, it's reactionary and wrong. And it, it's an example of what I'm talking about. And it's funny because there's, it wouldn't have taken much thought or many more words to offer an explanation that wasn't bullshit, you know? If Godspeed was invited or the Silver Mount Zion was invited, would you have a group think about it? Um, can you just say right now, I no. don't want to do it? What, what would be your response? No, I mean... Well, there was, for us, it's simple. There are a couple of people in the band who have signed the boycott, divestment, sanction thing. So there's no conversation. That's a, those are two Tel Aviv. You wouldn't play Tel Aviv under either moniker, or just one moniker, or, or how does no, it, yeah. no, not until uh, not not until the situation improves. Improves, you know. Like there's, you know, I don't, yeah, you know, as, as a Jew especially, it's like there. It was. It was. Yeah. It's it's important to. Uh, Sometimes it's important to, to, to make confrontational statements, you know? Yeah. In our last beat together, we've been here generously uh, with Ephraim Menuk. Talk a little bit about the externals of faith. Uh, this just in, uh, you founded a, an incredible collective of musicians and, and artists, a.k.a. a band, Godspeed, Your Black Emperor. So the word God is in, is in it. You know, and Godspeed obviously is a, uh, is a Middle English idiom and also a villain of the Flash. I don't know if you know the, the superhero, the DC f- hero Flash, but there's a, there's a villain, Godspeed. That's actually his name. Right. And he steals speed from people. I think that's really cool. Do you, you you know, in in this, in the ducking and the dodging of it all, or the idea of faith in and out, do you, do you feel, you know, and also, you know, looking through album titles and looking through song titles, um, uh, do you feel you're, you keep coming back to religious based faith? And I mean, are you intrigued by faith on that level, religious based faith, even though if you call yourself atheistic in your home, do you find the, the examination of it interesting on an artistic level, whether it's an album title or a song title? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of things in there. I mean, one of it is what I referred to earlier, just that, you know, that all that old Testament stuff is still rattling through my head constantly you know what i mean and it still is somehow a a filter that i see the world through so so a lot of it is that stuff and then a lot of it too is that that uh that the language of faith is so powerful you know and and it's particularly powerful when you're talking about godless things have you ever listened to a song that you got into just as a fan say and didn't and then thought oh this is actually about god or this is about some other faith you know i was thinking i wonder how many beck's fans know that he's a scientologist or i wonder how many of sufyan stevens's fans know he's a uber Christian, it seems like. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he tweeted recently about how God would be embarrassed for Donald Trump or something. Um, have you ever listened yeah, yeah, to yeah. a song? I know you're a big Creed fan. Have you ever listened to a song <laughs> and you thought, oh my gosh, that's actually about letting God into your life? Have you ever caught yourself? 
<laughs> As, uh, that's a good question. I mean, you know, no, not really. I think about it. It's, it's, I think I've always known. It's never caught me by surprise, you know. Definitely, maybe my favorite long playing record of all time is this record Tabula Rasa by Arvo Part. Yeah, you know this guy, Estonian yeah. composer. Yeah, and, you know, and that whole. I mean, I literally that record has shaped my adult life. You know, oh. it, it just. It, in its beauty and its like uh, humility and grace and all of it, you know, it just it's and and then it, you know the entirety of that record is 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 about faith, you know, like that's that was what was in his head when he created it, you know. But again, I knew that before I heard that record, you know. Do you know what I mean? Like I knew that that's what the story was, so it wasn't surprising, you know. On tour. There's a good game, and everyone should do it. Uh, um, if they're on a long road trip, there, there's there's two variations of it. When you're flipping radio stations, the first thing is whoever can guess first whether you're listening to NPR or Christian radio if someone's <laughs> talking, because the cadences are kind of similar. Yeah. And then the other one is uh, trying to guess immediately if you're listening to a, a rock station and hearing like something like Creed or Creed Light or whether you're listening to a Christian rock station and whoever figures it out first wins. You can, you can tally points. It's a, it's a good one. Can we talk about faith and not talk about religion? I, I feel like not being able to talk about faith removed from religion means that the conversations that we have with each other about the world that we live in and the way that we live in the world, it means that those conversations are always going to be limited, you know, and limiting. It's a thing I wonder a lot of the time when people shorthand God even people who go to church, do they actually believe? Is this just a receptacle to put those feelings, you know? Like, again, I, I have no problem with people believing in God, you know? Like, it, I think it's a beautiful thing. But it, it's true. It does, as with everything, all the big ideas, I think there's actually a majority of us whose relation with faith is very fucking complicated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where the answers lie in those complications. And if we're not talking about those those complications and contradictions and uh, confusions, then how are we going to find our way out of the ever unfolding unfolding present muck that we're in, you know? Like so yeah, it's a dirty word to say you're an atheist, you know? Like it's it's and it always leads to a boring conversation, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, at the same time I have no patience for any of these new atheists like Dawkins and all the red people who are like, "Oh, I'm an atheist, you're an idiot." Like that's fuck it's that's just it, 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 it's a different iteration of the same problem, you know? You can be an atheist and not think that people who believe in God are stupid. Those are, those are not mutually yeah. exclusive ideas. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you, yeah. it's, you can personally not believe in God and not have a problem with other people believing in God, you know, like, I don't, I don't understand why one thing follows the other. I don't know. You can be an atheist and not be a fucking asshole. The, uh, I'm writing that down too. Two quick questions and we say goodbye to Ephraim uh, Menuk, who's been generously with us. I always tell my film students that movie theaters are not uh, churches, although they may be now because they're rare and they're being destroyed. Um, but Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, now I wish they were churches. Maybe no one would touch them. But um, mm -hmm. what about a, a, a music hall? You're a priest of a sort. Is your position, uh, is is that a, a form of a pulpit? Is Is the stage that and are you a kind of priest of a sort and would it surprise you if your fans looked at you like that i'm, I'm throwing all these surrogate 
religious ideas into music? Do you reject them or do you think they're interesting? Oh, that's a complicated question. I know when I was a young man and I would sit with friends who also love music and we would talk about bands like contemporary or ancient, the amount of divinity we put there, I'm a little embarrassed by now when I think back to those conversations, even though that, that was our earnest engagement, you know, like, and we were punks, you know what I mean? Like we were, <laughs> we were engaging with bands that weren't playing that game at all, you know? Yeah. So there are moments when I cross paths, you know, like I always try to make myself available after or before show. I'm always just walking around outside. And if anyone wants to talk to me or ask me a question, cool, you know, we can talk. And there are moments definitely where I feel uncomfortable because I'm getting that vibe from, you know, some 22 year old, generally man, you know? And then I always remind myself, it's like, I was that way once. So right. what can I do in this interaction, you know, to destroy that completely, you know, like this, this completely fucking destroy it, you know? And sometimes it means, well, I think the only thing I do in this situation is be a little bit of a fucking asshole. That's rare that I feel I need to do that. But there are other situations where it's, if you stand there and talk, you know, and sort of like, sometimes I've really had this moment where it's like, you know, if I have a bad tour belly, sometimes if someone's talking to me that way, I just feel like saying, you know, I've had diarrhea for three days, brother. Has that ever happened to you? You know, what I like yeah. just really bring it yeah. down to like, God damn it. You know, like, we're all just people in this world trying to get by. I know, you know? man. What's tricky, I, you're, you're not a naive dude at all. But what's interesting is these fans have faith in you. Like, I'm sitting here, the crushing part of it is you're in a no-win deal, man. You know, we talk about faith systems. You're part of a faith system as a public artist. Is that too heavy or, or are you in touch with that? that? That your fans have faith in you? It's the old Charles Barkley, I am not a role model. You know, are you a, are you a faith symbol as a public artist with an important resume? Oh, God. Okay, first to make it clear that the type of interaction I'm talking about are rare for me because of the decisions that we've made as a band with Godspeed and that I've made personally with other projects. It's like, it's not, we don't have a lot of baggage in that regard. I think most people who engage with our, our music and what we do understand that we're very opposed to, to being elevated in any way, shape or form, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's not a chronic problem. I do take seriously the idea that if you're standing on a six foot stage, speaking down to people that you need to be aware that that's what the dynamic is in that room. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and engage with it properly, you know, like, and I don't mean responsibly. I mean, of course, responsibly, but I, I don't mean just responsibly. Like you need to disrupt it and intervene in that physical reality somehow. You know, and that goes towards personal engagement with people and all the rest, you know. So, yeah, it's not a thing that's ever really torn me up or confused me. It's always felt really kind of simple. But there are some moments where it is a little extreme. And that's what I was referring to. No, no, that's not a constancy in my life at all. Mostly I walk around completely anonymously, you know. But there are going to be times when you're going to be a mere mortal again. And what's that transition like? And that's kind of what you're speaking to. Can you be a mere mortal again? Uh, The last question I was thinking about you. Have you ever prayed? Have you prayed since you were 11? In some form I have. You know, yeah, for sure. You know, like I feel like I've I've muttered the words "please" into the sky before. Like, absolutely, it's just there's not a god there. You know, <laughs> like, wow. that's. But the ritual of you know, I'm one of these people who like when I'm feeling very stressed out and frantic, I need to say aloud to myself, 
multiple times. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. I need to say those words with my mouth and put them in the air and then everything is okay. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I feel like done a version of that and I think I do it constantly. It just doesn't involve a God, you know, it just, it's, it's, it involves the unknowable, you know, which is all we got really, you know, we can give it a name, but who the fuck are we to give it a name? That's why all religions count on this idea that God sent a fucking messenger in some way, shape or form. You know what I mean? Because it, you, you need that trick to sell that narrative. You know what I mean? How could the unknowable be knowable? You know, S- someone must have, there needs to be some messenger, you know, but there never has been a fucking messenger, not in that way. So yeah, absolutely. I feel like I pray all the time. I, I don't know if I necessarily, I don't know if I would necessarily call it prayer, but I, now that you've asked the question, I, I guess it is, you know, What's I guess it, I should call it prayer. Given your relationship to faith and maybe religion with a lowercase r, do you fear dying? Um, huh, I, I'm afraid of the act of dying. I'm afraid that it'll be painful and terrifying, but I'm not afraid of death. Like, for sure, like everyone, there's some sort of existential horror. Like, what if it is just eternal nothingness? You know what I mean? Mm. What if you die and then you wake up in, encased in marble? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like floating through something that's not even space. And you just have to do that for 27 eternities and then you reincarnate or whatever you want, you know, what, whatever completely implausible thing you can do with your human brain to imagine what comes next, if anything, you know? Mm. So yeah, I, I, I have a healthy amount of dread in that regard, but I did once on tour, the worst nightmare I've ever had. And I'll keep this short is I had this kind of apocalyptic. It was mostly a boring dream of the things blowing up and we were on tour and we had to get back to someone's house. And then I was by the water trying to figure out where to go next. And all of a sudden there were these silhouettes of the four horsemen of the apocalypse with uh, dancing, laughing children behind them. They looked like uh, paper cutouts shadowed and they were stretching from one end of the horizon to the other and crossing all surfaces in a, in a way that was impossible. And in that moment, in the dream, I thought was like, fuck, there is a God. And I woke up like drenched in sweat, you know, like wow. that, that, wow. that I had made this huge error, you know what I mean? And that I was about to be punished. That's the only moment I've ever had that feeling true wow. fact. Wow. But I don't know what that fucking dream means. You know, I've thought about it and thought about it. I mean, sometimes dreams don't mean anything. You know? <sighs> Wow, it sounds like uh, I was thinking of Miller's Crossing <laughs> to, in a really clunky way. There's a great, there's a great, um, you know, Gabriel Byrne is telling Marsha Gay Harden his dream about chasing his hat, chasing his hat, and fin- yeah, yeah, yeah. finally grabbing the hat. And Marsha Gay Harden was very invested poetically. And then she said, What happened when you grabbed it? Did it turn into something? And he said, No, it was, yeah. just, it was just my hat. Um, hey, man, I want to thank you for talking about these light topics with us and letting me in a little bit and reminded me, you know, sometimes getting getting up in the morning is faith in getting up in the morning. And again, it goes back to that idea of ritual. So maybe there's hope for you and I and others like us that the rituals of, of things 
are our strata, are our faith. And I don't want to speak for you, but I, I, I must say I've learned a lot about there's even more to faith than I thought. And I'll leave you with one thing. You know, I was thinking about this this, this morning. Where did this come from when you sneeze and someone says, God bless you, right? 540 AD, uh, the bubonic plague was coming and the sneezing was a sign that you had the plague and it's mutated. But in Mexico, they do an interesting thing and I'll leave it with you. The first time you sneeze, they say salud, which means health. The second time you sneeze, they say dinero, money. And the third time you sneeze, they say amor, which means love. So I wish you those things, man. I wish you every yeah. every bit of health, physical, spiritual, internally, external, money, if that's what you seek, and love, um, because you are really a thoughtful thinker, and uh, I've I've learned more than I could have ever bargained for. And maybe we can do this in person the next time we do it, man. This this was a real thrill for me. Thank you so much. Well, well, thank you so much, and straight back at you, brother. It was a pleasure. Hey, be well, and, and best of luck on the road, and we'll catch up with you again down the line. I hope so, man. Thanks, Ephraim. Take care. Okay. I failed miserably, didn't I? Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I know. I couldn't help it. I mean, he has so much interesting exposition in terms of his own life and, you know, in religion and Hebrew school and his father and Israel. But, you know, he just, everything is so interrelated. You know, these concepts are so interrelated. Don't hate me. Have faith in me. Continue to have faith in me. This is a topic I want to tackle again. And I, I think I'm making a mental note. I want to do one that is completely devoid of religion, faith, let's call it uh, on a surgical faith, a level of surgical faith that requires no religion. I'm not apologizing. Today was amazing. We want to thank Ephraim Menuk for being here with us today on Murmur. I want to thank you for being here with us today on Murmur. Murmurradio.com, M-U-R, M-U-R, radio.com. Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, download us, subscribe to us, follow us at MSF Murmur, Twitter, Instagram, social handles. Don't lose faith. Believe me, I know it's hard. Do not lose faith. I have faith in you. Godspeed. See ya.